0: This afternoon, we deal with Lord's Day 2 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 2. And we confess there from the Word of God the following From where do you know your sins and misery? From the law of God. What does God's law require of us? Christ teaches us this in a summary in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Can you keep all this perfectly? No. I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. So far our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, boys and girls who belong to the Lord, Sunday before last we confessed with Lord's Day one, our only comfort in life and death, the beautiful Lord's Day, that first one, that introduction to the whole catechism. We belong in both in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who. Bought us with his precious blood. Most of us belong to Jesus Christ already, right from birth, right from conception, we could say. The Lord chose us to be his in his covenant before we even knew anything about it. His promises are to believers and their children that's a great comfort for us right from birth to death. We belong to him, to Jesus Christ. Saves us, cares for us, does it all. Wonderful to be able to confess that comfort that our salvation is worked outside of us by Jesus Christ. And we don't have to add a single thing to it. However, even though we don't have to add anything to it, we do have to make it our own. All those promises are ours, but we have to take those promises and make them our own. Personally accept those promises. We need to appropriate, is the word that's often used, that only comfort. It's there for you. It's all done, completely uh, completely done by Christ. Christ made you His own. But now you have to make that comfort there is in Him your own. So that that you can grow in that. You can experience more and more of that joy of belonging to Him. To put it this way, we confess that we belong to Jesus Christ, but now we need to grow in our acceptance and in our joy of that. As it says in the last question and answer of Lord's Day 1. What do you need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort? And we could say, to grow in that. That brings us from Lord's Day 1 to Lord's Day 2. So in Lord's Day 1, we have the whole gospel of God's grace in a nutshell. But first we need to know why we so desperately needed that grace of God in Christ in the first place. And not just know it once and that's it, but know it over and over again and grow in it. Grow in that awareness. And that brings us to Lord's Day 2. I preach to you this Lord's Day with this theme. We need to appropriate the only comfort of Lord's Day 1. Two things then. Let God humble us with His law. And let God lift us with his love. So first of all, let God humble us with his law. With Lord's Day 2 congregation, we begin that part of the catechism about our sins and misery. And in order to understand the intent of this part of the catechism, we have to keep in mind it's not about the sin and misery of unbelievers. This is about our sin and misery, the Sin and Misery of Believing Covenant People. It's about our sin and misery in ourselves as we, as we are together here. That's why the title above this part of the Lord's Day says, Our Sin and Misery. And that's, that's why the first question of Lord's Day 2 asks, From where do you know your sins and misery? As believer?" As a believer who just confessed with Lord's Day one that you belong to Jesus Christ, where do you know your sins and misery? And another thing, this Lord's Day doesn't ask whether we feel miserable or we feel sinful. If we feel depressed about our sins and the effects of our sins and the future that we have because of our sins, no. We're addressed here as baptized covenant people who already belong to Christ as confessed in Lord's Day 1. Christ has fully paid for my sins and set me free from the power of the devil. That's where we start from. That's, that's the basis. Uh, that great comfort. That stays. What a glorious privilege of, all, of us, for, for, for all of us to belong to Jesus Christ. But the question is, again, do we, do we experience that as the great privilege? And that's always a danger, isn't it? That we easily take for granted what we have received. For instance, when do you realize most what a privilege it is to have a job and an income? Well, of course, if you're unemployed and you have no income and you have to struggle to make ends meet, And you realize how much you took your income for granted when you had a job. And looking back, you realize you weren't thankful enough for what you had. And that's the way we are. We so easily forget. Unfortunately, that's how it is with the great privilege we have in belonging to Jesus Christ. Baptized into the covenant, being brought to God in a glorious relationship with Him through Jesus Christ... Most of us even write from childhood already. And even though we hear about that every Sunday, again, and every day we open the Bible to that, we so easily take all of that for granted. We hear the good words over and over again, but they become kind of worn out to us. The gospel, the good news of how rich we are, is proclaimed to us made known to us. But we're often so busy in ourselves with all kinds of personal issues that we don't feel rich in Christ at all. That happens so easily, right? Don't experience that deep joy of belonging to Jesus Christ, of having that comfort, because we take it for granted so easily. This is exactly why you have this part about sin and misery in the catechism right after lords day 1 this lords day and the other the following two are are intended to make us aware of how rich we are where we have come from and how privileged we are now as covenant people of the lord and that's why we have to hear about our sins And our misery, and our misery not in the sense of miserable things in this life. Our misery is that we have no future in ourselves without God and without Christ. But we need to hear that. Not to depress us, but to help us see every time again how rich that comfort is which we have in Jesus Christ, to belong to him. Meant to make us deeply thankful and joyful for the eternal promises that we have received from the Triune God at our baptism. And that's why Lord's Day 2 shows us very sharply from God's law that in ourselves we're sinful creatures, miserable, wretched, wretched sinners in ourselves. We might not feel that way. May we even feel good the way we are. There's a lot of people who feel good without God. Sadly, they don't even know what's hanging over their heads. But of ourselves, we're all miserable sinners headed for destruction. Listen to God's law, to what God requires of us in His law, the great and first commandment that we love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And another place in Mark it even add strength. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. That was a summary that the Lord Jesus gave in the New Testament. And don't forget, this was already the greatest requirement of the law in the Old Testament too. The Lord Jesus didn't just haul this out of the blue, but he quoted actually from the Old Testament when he gave that summary of the law. We read part of Micah 6. The Israelites had made the covenant into a kind of a business deal with God instead of a relationship. And they figured that their part of the deal was to bring a certain number of offerings and sacrifices. Regular daily sacrifices took care of the usual daily sins. For extra big sins, extra big sacrifices had to be brought. That's how the, the people figured they could a- appease God. Be on God's good side. Keep their, their, their place there. If they brought the right sacrifices, God would bless. God would be happy with them. That was the deal. And it wearied them. It wearied them, that deal. That, that wasn't even God's purpose at all with the covenant. And he was, in fact, pretty upset by that whole Attitude. And he sent his prophet Micah to tell his people what the deal really is. He wasn't interested in all kinds of burnt offerings of year-old calves. He isn't pacified by thousands of rivers of oil in the temple. He isn't appeased even if they would offer up their firstborn children. No, not at all. He's not after calves, oil, sacrifice of firstborn children. Micah says, you should know what the Lord wants of you. He says, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. In other words, love your neighbor and love God. That's what the relationship with God is about. Not you do this and I'll do that. No, it's a relationship of love. God wants us to love him and our neighbor. To walk humbly with him. And to show mercy to our neighbor. He doesn't want sacrifices as such. The sacrifices were to point to those things. But they started to take on a life of their own. No, God wants love. Lord say, when we confess God's love for us. Well, with that love of his, he seeks our love in return. That's what he's after. A relationship, a two-way relationship with us. He isn't satisfied with anything less than the love of our hearts because that's what love is right what person in love with someone else is going to be happy if the other person only responds by giving presents and gifts but no love in return that's not what that's not what that person that first person is after with his love toward the other he wants the other person also to love in return that's what it's about Think of how God feels if he comes to us with his love and we try to satisfy him with some sacrifices or other gifts or so. Maybe extra gifts in the collection or or doing good things for other people. Maybe that'll please God. That's not what he's after. He wants our hearts. He wants the love of our hearts. In return for his love for us. That's what a relationship is about also a relationship between a husband and wife. Well, that's why that greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. God had delivered Israel in his love. Now he sought Israel's love in return. And it's the same for us. God has shown us love in Christ. He seeks our love in return seeks the love of our hearts, that we're devoted to Him, that we walk humbly with Him every day and everything. That's why He loved us first. And now He has the right to be loved by us. That's what He seeks above everything else. All the law and the prophets hang on that. And if we think that through, we realize what our sin and misery really is, right? Because we can't really love God as he wants, with all our heart, soul, and mind, and all our strength. We're so stuck on other things, so preoccupied with ourselves, and our hearts go after other things all the time. Constant battle. Our minds are way too full of other things, which shove the love of God aside every time again. We fall short every day. God simply wants the love of our hearts. And if we have to think, how much did I love God today? At the end of the day, you realize we're not at the love God requires of us, asks of us, seeks from us. We fall short. And see, that is why we have Lord's Day too. This Lord's Day makes us as believers aware of, of how far short we fall of what God asks of us, of what He deserves from us. And again, that awareness of our sin and misery then isn't just to make us feel down and guilty and depressed because of our sins. It's so that we become conscience, conscious of how, how wonderful it is that we have been delivered in Christ, bought with the precious blood of Christ, that we belong to Him. It's so that we realize how, how awesome it is that we belong to Christ and are able to turn to Him for the washing away of all our sins and to ask Him for strength for the renewal of our lives, as we heard this morning. This, this is so that we become more and more conscious of our sin and misery so that we grow in the joy of belonging to Jesus Christ. Wow, am I ever glad I have Him. And who is the most conscious of his or her sin and misery? Not the person with the greatest guilt. No, the person who is also most appreciative of God's love for him or her. The person who lives closest to Christ will be the most conscious of his or her sins and misery. The closer you live to Christ, the more you realize what he delivered you from. In the first place. And then you don't sink away in feelings of guilt and depression. No, because then you understand who Christ is. Then you know the wonderful forgiveness there is in Him. And then you know what it is to live out of grace, too. It's exactly because you know that you have empty hands before God. When those hands can be filled with God's grace too. God's grace is only for empty hands. Congregation, I hope you understand something of why we need to see how great our sins and misery are. So we realize how empty our hands really are. Consciousness of sin opens our eyes to the incredible riches of grace promised us in Christ. Christ. And then we grow in our faith and in the joy of faith when we see what Christ came to deliver us from. The more clearly we see that we have nothing at all and that we only deserve condemnation of ourselves, the more we will embrace Christ in faith and cleave to Him in true repentance. And then we see how necessary it is to go to Him every day again too. We so easily gloss over our sins, right? So easily brush them aside or try to forget them or, or maybe even do forget them. Play them down. And when you do that, you take Christ for granted. You're reducing him. And then what happens is you start to live very superficially as a Christian. And see, this is why you need to see your sin and misery. This is why we need to hear the law over and over and over again every Sunday, too. Also, that summary of the law, which is love, it humbles us, brings us to walk humbly with our God. We come to the second point of the sermon. God lifts us up with His grace. We need to know so He can lift us up with His grace. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, we've seen from that summary of the law what God requires, that He wants our whole heart, soul, and mind. He wants to be completely, He wants us to be completely filled to the brim with love for Him, overflowing all the time. We know we can't do that. We can't. We're people with sinful nature, struggle every day against that sinful nature. It's impossible for us in this life. We fall far short of that every day again, every hour, I could say every minute. We fall short. In order for us to be reconciled to God, a miracle is needed But that's what Jesus' whole ministry on earth as related in the gospel shows us. He did miracles. God can do miracles. What's impossible for man is possible with God. That comes back over and over in the Bible. Think of the story of Sarah laughed when the angel told her she would be pregnant and have a son. She said, it can't happen, I'm 90 years old. And then the angel said to her, "Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything impossible for Him?" No. Isaac was a miracle child, and the whole Israel, whole nation of Israel, came out of him. The old people of the old covenant—they were born out of a miracle of God, and it's no different in the New, New Testament. Angel came to Mary, told her she would become pregnant, and that a child who would be born of her would be called holy, the Son of God. Mary's reaction was, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel's response was, is anything impossible with God? That's what the angel said. And and that took place. Mary gave birth to God's Son in the flesh. And the people of the new covenant, you could say, were born out of that miracle of God. Reborn, we could even say. Out of that miracle of God. The church today, you and me, brought forth... By a miracle of God in Christ. We need to live out of that miracle. Brothers and sisters. Boys and girls. That God saved sinners. Who didn't even seek him. God so loved us. While we were yet enemies of his. By nature. Hating him. And our neighbor. And yet he sent his son to die for us. While we were enemies. The miracle that God loves and reaches out in love to people like us who couldn't return that love like we've received it. Do you see, congregation, what a miracle it is that God in His grace loves us? Already when most of us were babies, He loved us, gave us baptism as a sign and seal of His covenant love with us. He wants us to learn to know His love, grow in it so that we don't take His grace for granted. He wants us to take the riches He promised us in Christ, take them to ourselves with both hands, hold on to them, embrace our Savior in faith more and more. This is why he holds his law in front of us every time again. See, by means of that law of love, we learn to understand how weak and sinful we are by nature and what a miracle God's love for us is. By means of that law, we then learn to embrace Jesus Christ even more closely. Because it draws our attention to our only comfort in life and death every time again. We need to hear it. We need to be confronted with who we are in ourselves so that we reach for and rejoice in the comfort of Lord's Day 1 more and more. Congregation, the law of perfect love makes us realize what it is to live out of God's grace. If that law had just been a whole list of rules, we might think we didn't do so bad. Kept at least a number of those rules, we might think. But God's law isn't a matter of keeping rules. Micah showed that to the Old Testament people of God. It's not about rules. It's about loving him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and all our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves, wanting for our neighbor what we would want for ourselves. And because it's love God wants, we realize how sinful we are in ourselves, and weak. And then we realize more and more how desperately we need God's grace at the same time. And then when we're there, we're at least beginning to be where we need to be, right? For the kingdom of God isn't meant for people who think they're doing just fine by themselves. The kingdom isn't for people who figure they live pretty pretty nicely and God should be happy with them. The kingdom is for people who know they're poor, miserable sinners before God. It's for people who become smaller and smaller all the time. The smaller you become, the bigger Christ can become for you. It's for people who realize every day how how far short they fall of the love God asks of them. It's for people who are unhappy with themselves because they keep falling back into sins they actually should have overcome long ago. The kingdom is for people who go to God with empty hands every time again and say, Father... I need your grace and it's sufficient for me. Let me live out of your grace in Christ. I don't need anything more than that and I can't do with anything less than that. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for giving us your law and, it's, and especially also for, for Christ giving us that, that summary too so that we learn again how desperate our situation is in itself, uh, how desperately we need that of ourselves, and how privileged we are to belong to Jesus Christ, the Savior from sin and from eternal punishment for sin. Fill our hearts with gratitude, Father, for the great comfort that, that we have, that great comfort in life and death that we've been given in Christ. And help us to walk in gratitude for that comfort and in the joy of that comfort this new week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing in response to the proclamation congregation, Psalm 32, stanzas 1.